Welcome to the podcast. My name is Eva Pospieszyńska and I will be um, hosting this podcast together with Anna Oppenheim. The goal for this uh, podcast is to um, talk about Polish politics, um, culture, um, and also create a platform for discussing the issues that um, affect the big population of migrants in the UK who are not usually given the platform to share their experiences, um, but also their culture and perspectives on political events. We aim to amplify the voices of organizers, journalists, artists, authors who may not be known to the English-speaking audience. The first episode you will hear in the moment have been recorded on the 6th of um, February 2022 and we are publishing it uh, a month later. Um, An important note to make is that we do mention um, a war started by Russia um, in Ukraine, Um, but we mentioned it before the conflict um, uh, escalated. Um, On the morning of 24th of February, Vladimir Putin announced that Russia was initiating a special military operation in Donbas and launched a full-scale invasion into Ukraine, which um, is currently under... We will be having a separate episode on that uh, conflict um, and we will aim to publish it soon. Um, But in the meantime, I wanted to mention that because uh, the mention that we make in the episode is just not um, up to date. Uh, If you would like to contact us directly, you can use our uh, social media channels on Twitter and um, Instagram at the podcast spelled with K. And we also have an email address where you can um, email us directly. The podcast also spelled with K, pod at gmail.com. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Cześć! <laughs> so cześć means hi in Polish. And this is the podcast. <laughs> it is a podcast about Poland and English. Yes, and this is our first episode, as you probably can tell. I'm just trying things out now. Uh, we will improve, we'll get better in time. Um, my name is Anna. And I'm Eva. Um, and we are two Polish women living in London. We wanted to maybe start with telling you a bit more about the name of the podcast. <laughs> with a K. Yes, so where it's coming from. Uh, Anna, do you want to say something about it? So, Polka means Polish woman. So obviously we're we're two Polish women, so that's a starting point. But uh, at the same time, it's it's also a bit of a play because um, yeah, you might you know hearing the name, some people might think it's gonna be a kind of nationalist, very patriotic podcast. <laughs> yes, I think we were a bit fearing that at the at the beginning, but then we were like, the logo will tell it all. <laughs> she's a fighting one. She's the fighting one, and we we are kind of considering ourselves a bit of fighters, I think. And um, yeah, so we, we thought it's a nice play with words because obviously podcast, podcast, it's quite funny how you can use that uh, here. Um, but I guess it might be also um, a kind of just 
um because polka is a is a female form and i feel like we're both feminists and we're trying to probably talk about some issues of, of women and maybe this can be a slight suggestion on that <laughs> good point what's your story like why did you decide to do this podcast Right. I mean, that's probably hard to summarize, but <laughs> I feel like uh, it would be an interesting project to kind of have a look at Polish politics uh, from like a perspective of people who live abroad as well. Because I, I feel like I've learned about Polish politics much more once I actually left Poland, <laughs> just because it's it's kind of a fish in the water situation. Once you get out of the water, <laughs> you kind of uh, understand what it's made up of. So I guess this a good um, way to uh, share those those uh, thoughts and also I mean I don't want to make it sound like I don't value a perspective of someone who uh, does live in Poland their whole life um, I just it, it happened that in my case once I left Poland um, I got more um, involved in politics and just um, gain a new perspective but obviously leaving Poland is not necessary in order to have a good perspective on Polish politics and that's why we would be reaching to different guests to speak with them and a lot of them I would imagine are actually based in Poland most of their life or their whole life um, but you know one more thing that I would definitely want this podcast to achieve is to um, have a look at different groups, uh, different influences um, that um, play an important role um, and kind of show us where are we going with different political movements. So what I'm hinting at here is, you know, paying close attention to um, parties such as uh, Law and Justice, so the leading party in Poland now called, uh, for the sh shortcut is PIS, um, and, um, you know, not only PIS, but also Confederacja, which is even more on the right, if you would like to, you know, imagine that political spectrum and is very dangerous and is pushing for um, quite unimaginable things in, in uh, 21st century, such as banning divorce. But, you know, they are actually working very closely with so-called think, think tank. It's not really a think tank, but it's um, a very dangerous organization called Ordo Juris. Uh, and they were also responsible for pushing, for instance, abortion ban. And, you know, all these things, uh, they don't come up in isolation. They are part of um, a bigger a bigger kind of problem. And uh, we can, I think, as polls uh, explain some of these origins that would be relevant even for, you know, an English listener. Um, because all these things um, very much impact all of us, right? If we have a very far-right party gaining power in one of the European countries, that this can threaten, you know, uh, a stability of, for instance, European Union, because they will be pushing for um, leaving European Union. A PIS is actually already um, promoting quite a lot of anti- um, anti-European Union sentiments and uh, what that means is they are promoting anti-free movement sentiments they are promoting anti <laughs> basically they don't want like very much democratic structures and it's very often motivated by this nationalistic way of seeing um, sovereign nation um, so so it is very relevant and you know we can then contextualize it even further look at um, what for instance uh, motivates a lot of um, 
these voices in Poland. We can look at similar uh, movements in Hungary, for instance, with Orban. We can look at uh, France and Marie Le Pen. We can finally look at um, Putin, you know. Uh, obviously, Russia for years now is not democratic and there's some horrible things happening internally there. Um, and it's a real threat to also, uh, you know, a lot of things that we take for granted, I guess, because, um, you know, we can see how Putin is trying to fund a lot of um, organizations that spread these dangerous ideas. We even saw that, you know, uh, with uh, now proven um, in influences of Russian... Uh, I don't want to say agents, but some kind of actors that tried to um, have some kind of influence on, on U.S. election. And as we know, uh, Trump won, and that was very much convenient for, for Putin. And finally, I mean, um, something that we already discussed uh, as, as an episode idea, uh, the situation in Ukraine. Um, very scary to look at. Uh, you know, now we even see an escalation um, of the conflict that has been happening there since 2014. We can see very scary news of more troops gathering around the borders of Ukraine. And I'm really scared to, you know, where that could lead us. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how I went from uh, the motivations to here, but um, basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's worth having a look at um, countries such as Poland and a very close look where you try to unpack different complex uh, things and when you again gain different perspectives and then um, you can question and try to see where it's going because if we ignore all of that then we're in real trouble right and I mean again I think that the situation in Ukraine shows it because um, I just I you know I, I'm scared to say, but uh, the recent news about you know how how the situation falls uh, there with with um, the war lasting for eight years and now U.S. Uh, I mean I'm very skeptical of U.S. diplomacy, but U.S. diplomacy warning that there might be a very sudden escalation of the conflict and it can go even further. You know I I don't know, uh, but what I know is Putin is very um, unpredictable and he has a lot of imperialistic ambitions and for years he is trying to weaken um, organizations such as European Union and he is trying to cause a lot of turmoil. So that's why again, I guess um, tracking uh, different influences uh, beyond the, you know, the most mainstream kind of news um, seeing how, for instance, yes, um, organizations in Poland are um, being funded by, for instance, Russian sources, which we know is happening. Um, there's a brilliant book by Klementyna Suhanov that um, talks about some of this. Toys um, Wojna is the title in Polish. Um, so I think, yeah, we can bring these perspectives in um, because we are just familiar with a bit of a different context than the one you might often hear in, um, in the UK. 
Yeah, so of course there are some topics that we know very well and we can have a conversation between the two of us about them and explore them. But there are some topics that we have like much, much more to learn about, in which case we'll be reaching out and inviting guests from Poland and from the Polish diaspora and beyond. And so what were your motivations, Anna? Because, I mean, I elaborated a bit on mine. I think we will speak about the specific ideas for the episode soon. But first, just, yeah, more generally, um, the reasons why we are doing this or why you're doing this. <laughs> well, first, I need to give credit to my ex-partner, David, who suggested that I should start a podcast about Poland. Thanks, David. Um, but I guess on a more personal level, like... Similar as you, like when I first moved to London for a few years, I wasn't massively following Polish politics. You know, I voted in elections, but I was more focused on building a life in the UK. But um, around kind of 2017, when I was doing my master's, I decided to write my dissertation about Poland. And I started kind of following more Polish politics, social movements, culture, and kind of reconnecting with that side. Uh, but, you know, there's so many Poles in the UK and people always ask me about Poland, but actually there's not that many, especially kind of progressive left-wing voices in the media, um, telling the kind of inside story of what's going on there. So I thought it would be an interesting contribution uh, to try to kind of broaden out the way Poland is seen in the UK. Yeah, that, that sounds like a really um, something that kind of resonates with me a lot. We were thinking of some some first episodes that we would like to record. Um, so do you want to share any ideas of yours? <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm very interested in migration. Um, I've campaigned around migrant rights in the UK. Um, so I definitely, well, I've already kind of started recording an episode about the border crisis between Poland and Belarus, um, which unfolded over six months ago now, uh, looking at what's happening now what happens to people who arrive at the border. But I also want to do episodes about Polish migrants abroad. I mean, there's, you know, millions of, of people, of Polish people living in the EU and beyond. And I want to talk about what they're doing, if they're unionizing, if they're politically active, things like that. I also want to do some episodes about culture. Um, so like nightlife, going out is also something I'm very passionate about and uh, missed a lot over the past two years. So it's something I'll be talking about. I've also been seeing a lot of people write interestingly about uh, LGBT histories in Poland. Um, obviously a topic that's uh, often kind of covered up in official narratives and that's something I'll be probably looking at exploring. So that's some initial ideas. How about you? Yeah, that sounds very interesting. I would listen to that. <laughs> I mean, um, similar to you, I'm very interested in like migrants' uh, rights and uh, how people kind of move around the borders nowadays and try to kind of um, overcome these borders and, and kind of show that they're not really necessary. <laughs> so we will probably be reaching out to people who organize and who work with migrants on a daily basis. So we, uh, so one of the episodes that we were thinking of uh, was uh, with um, a kind of uh, founder of the organization called POMOTS, uh, which is Polish Migrants Organized. Mm, so already uh, plugging it in here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, follow POMOTS, definitely. <laughs> um, and I mean, 
uh, I kind of find um, all the movements that tried to kind of uh, question the status quo over the years uh, very interesting. And I think that there are some lessons from Polish history that we could take and maybe try to um, look back at and try to understand from um, kind of different perspectives. And obvious, the obvious example would be Solidarność. <laughs> um, so I was thinking of um, inviting um, a few guests that could tell us a bit more about how Solidarność uh, kind of changed over the years, how it came about and then um, kind of went in different directions uh, because initially it was um, full of uh, people who had very Marxist and social democratic uh, ideas and then it uh, slowly drifted away from that and uh, kind of into ne neoliberal yeah. <laughs> ideas. Solidarność is one of these kind of historical phenomena that every political movement in Poland tries to claim for itself, and oh, legitimately yeah. so, right? Because it includes everything from from socialists to diehard Catholics and neoliberals. Um, actually, like yeah, I've, I've been thinking a lot about like how kind of history is used and interpreted by different sides of political debate in Poland. So I imagine we'll be exploring some of that. Yes, that that would be the idea. Um, and then I think we can also um, touch upon some topics that are currently kind of unfolding uh, and maybe uh, trying to dive a bit deeper into them. Or, or the ongoing fight for abortion rights. You know, like oh, I'd yeah. be, I know you have some experience in organizing this small town and I'd be fascinated, you know, as someone who's kind of seen big protests in Warsaw, I want to know the kind of similarities and differences and what it is like to organize with people who maybe haven't been to a protest before. Yes, that's that's uh, definitely one of the experiences I would like to share on the podcast because um, I was in Poland um, in 2020, in 2021, uh, when the protests kind of came about. And uh, it's true that I was a bit of an, at the forefront of, of what was happening. And I was myself shocked at at um, kind of revolutionary potential that there suddenly uh, showed in, in Polish society. So that, that was a very um, kind of important experience for me as an activist. Um, and I mean, I also, um, we actually, it's funny, we both uh, studied at LSE, we both did our master's there. It's, yeah. It was an, a, a bit different time. So I, I did mine in 2020. Um, mine was 2017-18. Uh, yes. And what was your course? So I did political sociology. Yeah, and yeah, that was that was precisely when I kind of reconnected with Polish politics because I remember I didn't know what I wanted to write about. I initially talked about like writing about the Labour Party because I was very much in the middle of kind of Corbynism and and following that. Um, and then I went home for Christmas and started watching the news, watching the the state broadcaster, and being kind of shocked, horrified, but also fascinated by what I was seeing. And I started digging deeper and was like. Yes, I want, I want to know more about Poland. Mm. I want to understand it. Yes, 2017 was the time when TVP was kind of taking this new, very, very scary, but as you said, I guess, kind of fascinating from the research perspective uh, turn. So so yeah, that, that was um, an important time. Yeah, what's, what's your story? Do you want to say like where you grew up, when you moved to the UK? Yes, of course. So I mean, I'm from a small town in Poland, uh, which, which is called Gostynin. Uh, it's, it's central Poland, um, Mazovian district, uh, quite close to Warsaw and Łódź. Um, and it's, it's one of those towns which is quite conservative. Uh, you have a uh, big community around Christian church, um, 
you can hear uh, kind of bells on Sunday calling people to go to the Sunday mass and uh, a lot of people actually do attend every week um, and uh, I must say that uh, for years I actually have been Christian myself so I feel like I have a lot of those kind of perspectives where where I had to unlearn certain things but I in a way understand um, where certain ideas are coming from and can very much connect with with people's kind of concerns but at the same time I've learned to question question those uh, those uh, ways of thinking and kind of uh, had to again unlearn certain things um, but yeah it's a 20,000 kind of uh, po people population uh, so it's a very very small town um, and then I mean I had a bit of a um, story around traveling because I, I worked as a model, fashion model. Wow. Yeah, so, so that was uh, early on in my kind of high school years. And that's when I started to travel uh, on my own and uh, work abroad uh, at different contracts. So I lived in uh, Shanghai for three months and I went to Milan and I started to get to know different people, different cultures, like kind of firsthand. Um, and that's when I started to like become more open minded and very interested in, in how um, how we are all kind of shaped by our culture and environment uh, but also the closest family I guess and um, and then I kind of decided that I don't want to stay in Poland to study and that I want to apply abroad and that's how I found myself in the UK um, so I'm here since 2016 um, and um, I initially studied law at the University of Surrey which is quite close to London um, I finished that degree but I wasn't really um, happy with, <laughs> with with like a career in law so I didn't want to pursue that and I've decided I will rather go into a direction of like more questioning how um, certain things such as law come about in our society. So that's how I found myself at LSE. I, I did master's in uh, culture and society, uh, which is Department of Sociology. Um, so yes, uh, that's that's basically how it all turned out. And then uh, because of the pandemic, I was back in Poland for uh, more than a year. So it's been um, a bit of a weird disruption to, to my <laughs> life in the UK. And now I'm back uh, and um, kind of uh, getting involved uh, into politics uh, and uh, kind of organizing all over again. So that's that's how it uh, all turned out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's an interesting perspective because um, I grew up in Warsaw, so you know, obviously a big city is a a bit of a different experience, right? Like the news was kind of happening there as mm -hmm. I was growing up, and. Uh, I think I first got interested in politics around the first like 2005 like law and justice government. I kind of became started becoming like politically aware, but I recognized a lot of the kind of experiences of kind of growing up religious because I also like used to go to church every week and uh, in a way you know kind of grew up like believing a lot of kind of conservative traditional values, and uh, the moment of like you know discovering that actually I'm interested in left wing ideas but also like questioning my sexuality, my identity, um, trying to kind of, yeah, build a different identity and a different worldview and seeing like, you know, what can I, what can I use from the things I learned and mm -hmm. how I kind of, you know, relate to the things I grew up believing. Um, it's definitely kind of interesting experience. But um, yeah, I mean, 
I was I was always political. I wouldn't say I was like in any like organized politics when I was in Poland. I mean, I had a phase when I was interested in like environmentalism and veganism. Then uh, like in high school, I was going to like anti-fascist march marches. Uh, it's like November 11, and kind of big like annual fascist march and a kind of counter protest was definitely like a kind of foundational political experience for me. Mm -hmm. um, but that was something I sort of did on the side. Um, you know, I first moved to London to like study in an art school and I wanted to get into like art and culture. Um, but I became sort of more and more like political. Yeah, around the time of, you know, Nigel Farage being on the news all the time or sort of inescapable, right? Um, yeah, but then, yeah, as I said, as, as I said, you know, I spent a few few years like not just studying, but also working in like UK politics um, and uh, but also kind of trying to follow and understand what's happening back home. Hmm. Yeah, that's that sounds like um, it's I think it's a pro kind of progressive thing. You have to, um, again, kind of realize that you have certain things ingrained in your in your way of thinking and then uh, identify them and then slowly question and I guess going out to different kind of circles trying to listen to different perspectives is the kind of first step and then once you get involved and uh, you kind of also realize that certain circles are more prone to just kind of being close within their own ideas and do not really want to go beyond that. And then I think what I found so refreshing and, and so interesting in the lefty circles was that suddenly everyone were um, happy to question themselves. There were actual debates. People were um, much more open-minded. And that's what I think is um, still kind of true for, for, for left and what kind of makes it stand out. Mm. Um, because obviously there are fractions, there are people who think different ways, but there's space to actually explore these ideas. Whereas uh, if you're in a more conservative environment, it's very much, um, there's like a right, right or wrong way of thinking and everything is very black and white. <laughs> so, so I guess adding that um, complexity to different issues is what we want to do here uh, in our podcast yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Uh... Definitely, like one of the kind of liberating experiences also about moving to the UK was seeing the kind of Overton window moved mm. like very much to the left <laughs> from what we're used to in Poland, right? I remember at least kind of growing up, anything sort of left of center, where that's like economically or socially was immediately seen as like, you know, Marxist and then therefore a threat and to civilization and all the rest, right? Whereas here, people like much more openly explored ideas from the whole spectrum of the left. And uh, like as a student, I found that like shocking and surprising, but uh, it made sense to me. Yes, I had a very similar uh, observation. Uh, I was at first kind of shocked with with how many different um, ideas come into 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 play and how many different areas of kind of political thought you can explore. Whereas in Poland, it was very often um, there were certain taboo topics uh, and and just a lot of. Uh, fear from from certain ideas because of uh, the whole kind of um, communist experience, um, mm, which I imagine we'll talk a lot about on the podcast. Yeah, I yeah, think that's where, one of the where areas. the kind of Polish conservatism comes from and how it's kind of historically rooted. Yeah, yeah. we will definitely need to track the origins. <laughs> Um, right, yeah. And uh, as to what are you doing now? Uh, what is your current kind of focus? Maybe we can say about that a bit. 
currently I've kind of moved away from doing politics full time. Um, I work for a charity, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm still I'm still a member of the Labour Party. I still organize around migrants' rights, um, and uh, I'm still or trying to be kind of active in like progressive and left wing Polish circles um, in London. So I was kind of helping organize. Um, like solidarity protests with the women's strike in Poland, for example. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do follow uh, what you're doing. And I think we kind of see each other on different protests quite often. So that's how we kind of <laughs> decided we should uh, do this together. And I'm kind of uh, similar. I would say that I, um, I'm i at this kind of weird stage when I graduated and I have to like decide what is my career path in a way. But at the same time, I don't want to just like <laughs> limit myself to one thing. Um, so I'm exploring different, different options, but I definitely kind of uh, try to stay active politically and um, I'm still a member of Razem party which is uh, one of those few kind of lefty parties in Poland that um, are kind of uh, still influential in a way but they're still a bit on the side and um, I mean they have like six MPs in the parliament yeah, yeah they organize within a kind of broader coalition called Levica which yes. combines kind of three different parties of the left Yes, yeah, exactly. And they, a, yeah. they have a branch in London as well. Um, and I'm also myself like uh, working with some organizations here in London uh, that kind of especially focus on uh, migrant rights. So this is what I'm kind of focusing on now. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the idea for the podcast actually also came to my mind because in, in Razem, I was working with some people who um, who are recording a Polish podcast called Otsuch uh, Społeczny, Social Listening. Um, so uh, I also <laughs> kind of plug it in here and say hi to uh, all the people that work with me there if you're listening. <laughs> Um, so I th- I thought that um, we could do something maybe uh, similar to that one, but in English, so that actual uh, yeah uh, English speakers can can tune in as well. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah, should we talk a little bit like briefly about what's currently happening in Poland and and how we got here? Mm, I think we we yeah, we should give a bit of a background to that. <laughs> so, like, when did you first become aware of politics? What's your first legal memories in Poland? Well, I think similarly to you, the time when uh, PIS, so um, the current party, um, which is quite of like right wing, started to gain power in Poland. Um, And that was uh, about the same time when I started to um, think more critically about politics and kind of notice how it it isn't great in my my daily life and how uh, it's very... um, kind of tricky if you do not really get involved and interested in it because then certain things just happen and you don't understand how (laughs) (laughs) so so I was like um that's that's when like the whole debate in Polish politics um kind of uh drew drew my attention so that would be probably around 2000 maybe a bit later than you maybe 2007 Um, yeah yeah I think like 
think my first protest was a protest in my school against Roman Gertig, who was the oh. education secretary, now trying to rebrand as a kind of pro-democracy liberal, but at the time, an extremely conservative far-right um, education minister. And uh, yeah, like kids in my school organized like a little protest, like a kind of day of action thing. So it's, yeah, also one of my first memories. Obviously, my understanding there was like 12, 13. At the time, was like very basic, but I had a basic idea that like, you know, maybe we shouldn't demonize like LGBT people. Maybe women also deserve rights. <laughs> right. Okay. No, I think that at that time, when I was still in my secondary school years, uh, I was very like um, scared to get involved um, at the forefront of the politics. I wouldn't probably think at that time to go to an actual protest, which also kind of shows you uh, the the kind of path that I had to go through. Because <laughs> now I'm very much involved in in the protest, and I uh, and I think that. This also um, goes to show that anyone can get involved and it's really not too late, even if you're never thought of yourself as an organizer or an activist or someone who can do anything in politics. Um, so, I mean, I, I was very much like just observing and trying to learn and listen to different voices at that time. And mm. I was quite scared of, of what was going on because it felt like this um, time of unrest when there are some important changes happening, but I didn't really understand what is it and uh, what kind of long-term effects will it yeah. have? Yeah, yes. The first one, just government, well, it was a coalition government that lasted two years. Mm -hmm. It was a very chaotic one. Oh, yes. Um, very kind of... Um, yeah, fractured with uh, a lot of yeah, a lot of social unrest happening at the time, but some kind of similarities to what's happening now, right? Although, mm -hmm. although there are some differences, like the, like the topics were slightly different, right? It was more of a focus on corruption, focus a strong focus on anti-communism. Yes, that's, that's uh, for sure. Probably slightly less on kind of immigration and issues like that, which are coming to the forefront now. Yes, and they had like internal problems within the party, which are also kind of echoing and showing now as well. But I feel like um, actually the time when they were for the first time in power is quite important because uh, it seems like they also drew some lessons uh, from that time. And mm. when they came back into power, they tried to implement uh, changes. And uh, it seems like actually um, the right wing kind of movement in Poland uh, was much more interested in trying to understand how they can gain power and then kind of sustain it and they tried to look for those problems in in the society and then offer some easy solutions that were not necessarily the right ones um but i guess that's why uh, it's good to bear in mind that context uh, of 20 2005 yeah and yeah. yeah 2005 is often kind of referred to as the most important like modern political election because that's when the kind of current split between pis law and justice the kind of nationalist conservatives and PO, the kind of like conservative liberals are more sort of Western style. That's when the scene became polarized between these two actors with the left being kind of marginalized. But then obviously the coalition collapsed in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you remember that? Like, how did you feel about the PO government? Uh, I wasn't a big fan of them, to be honest, but it wasn't because I was very critical in terms of like, oh, these are just liberals, they are actually more conservative than they seem. <laughs> I was rather just, um, I just didn't have that, um, I, I, I didn't think they have like an actual plan for what to do, which I think turned out true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just felt like it's, um, it's um, kind of a group of politicians that just really want to stay in power and have some kind of influence for the sake of it. 
and don't really want to uh, bring any kind of substantial changes uh, and question uh, different problems. So it seems to be me like they were just kind of careerists um, and that's how I thought of them at the time. Uh, so I was very confused as to who would I vote for if I had the voting rights? I, I didn't then because I wasn't 18. <laughs> and and I remember that I was just kind of very suspicious of everything that was happening in politics mm. and and wasn't sure what, what is actually going on. I had like cer certain feelings towards the politicians, but I didn't, again, question it uh, from a very like uh, critical framework. Yeah, I remember, I don't really remember being like, extremely for, extremely against the PO government. Like there was mm -hmm. a, definitely a sense of relief that it's not PIS anymore. But um, I I think mainly I just thought they would be in power forever. It was a very kind of like end of history government, kind of mm. like typical Western neoliberals. Things are like in some ways maybe becoming slightly better, in other ways becoming worse. But it was just very much like a status quo, sort of, yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's the way that like the world is going, right? It's mm -hmm. going to be in power forever. I was convinced, like somehow ignoring, you know, the fact that he had a kind of growing, like, fascist street movement, you know, I, I saw the, like, tens of thousands of people in the streets of Warsaw with, like, openly racist slogans, but I didn't really connect that with uh, mm -hmm. political change. Or we saw, you know, growing conspiracy theories around the Smolensk plane crash, which oh. killed the president at the time. Um, he was also from PIS. Um, I remember like struggling to like even like, get to school because of like the streets being taken by like protests and people kind of celebrating the the president. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yes, I remember twenty ten as as this big moment when yeah, the the uh, small happened, and I mean for me it was quite interesting because. Um, Again, my dad is is a, quite a conservative. He's um, voting PIS since I can remember, and he would always have a bit of a clash with my mom because my mom is not really um, religious. Uh, she's more of a kind of liberal, I would say, but at the same time, she seemed to um, not want to like uh, get into too much of a debate with my father. So they, there was this weird dynamic there, and I remember just observing that and thinking um, how how weird this whole thing is in terms of like the political situation because they were kind of reflecting the, uh, the political scene with with the clash that is just not even like direct in a way but it's um but it was yeah it was quite shocking how um there was this national mourning over mm -hmm. over the um, over the plane crash and a lot of conspiracy theories started to emerge back then and and that thing i think that was um a sign of, of something um, something scary kind of coming uh, but yes again it was kind of hard to predict what what will be, be uh, what will come out out of it yeah well 2015 still came as a shock to me uh, maybe because I was you know I was already in the mm -hmm. UK I wasn't following that closely obviously I heard a little bit about like some like, corruption scandals or some tapes being leaked and yeah. then but then yeah I saw PIS came back into power and it's like wow we're we're, we're going back we're going back mm, yes I guess that that was the f the first time when I actually got like uh very much affected by it in terms of like I understood uh, the scale of 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 the kind of right movement in Poland and I started to also much more clearly identify with with the other side and that's when I was like uh, oops this this is this is not good <laughs> oh yeah so I mean this is all 
kind of to be continued in a way. Uh, we're just kind of trying to draw some some background knowledge about Polish politics at the moment. Yeah. So how how would you like describe Lonja's ideology? Like, what do they stand for? Just in, in mm-hmm. kind of broad strokes. Well, I would definitely say that it's uh, uh, it's a party that is very much connected to Christianity, to Christian church and ideas and morality. So a lot of uh, politicians that are there, um, it's kind of male-dominated, uh, very patriarchal way of seeing the world, uh, where they, again, have this very simplified worldview of, of the good and the wrong things. And, um, and, and it's uh, very polarizing in a way. And then you have those um, those kind of interesting bits uh, about PIS where they kind of try to um, reach to people that seem to be struggling in a current kind of uh, capitalistic society in a way. Yeah. When they kind of uh, start to notice people who were very often um, somewhere kind of on the periphery of Polish politics, not really listened to, sometimes even mocked. So I would say uh, kind of a background that I'm from, some kind of small town people. Uh, so it, it, it's similar, it's similar, I think, to, to what Trump did. In the towns like Gostinin, you have a lot of people who just are very attached to this um, kind of traditional uh, worldview and uh, they're scared of the change and but they can feel the change coming so what i would kind of summarize um, pis uh, as it's it's kind of creating that state of emergency a situation where you're supposed to be scared because something something is threatening you but you don't really know what and that's how you can find a scapegoat and kind of identify the problem from the outside or from within and kind of uh, unite people around that so you kind of listen to what they are saying about them feeling kind of uh, uncomfortable with certain things and then you use it to to kind of um, radicalize them and find the answers um, which are very often just uh, completely uh, wrong and and not true. <laughs> yeah, like something I found interesting when I was watching watching back the kind of 2015 campaign. Like, yes, on the one hand, it was definitely the kind of like an anti-refugee campaign, an anti-EU campaign. In the sense of like opposition to accepting refugees was like a big part of it. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, they had a lot of rhetoric around uh, supporting ordinary people again about like you know ordinary. I wouldn't say working class, but like poor, not very rich Poles against the corrupt elites, which obviously tied with uh, the kind of recent scandals that happened. Um, and I think that kind of thing, you know, when I was asked, I can see why they're appealing. I can see why it speaks to a lot of people who can feel ignored. And obviously like that, you know, that kind of framing, um, you know, the elites were then identified with either whether that's that, you know, the EU establishment or LGBT people leaving alone that, you know, most LGBT people are, are working class and are from kind of poor backgrounds, right? Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, creating that idea of an enemy. Yeah. yeah. But then again, like economically, I think I have to say that um, like loan justice is in some ways like redistributive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wouldn't definitely say socialist, but like, you know, it has a number of welfare programs, like 500 plus, plus is the flagship like child benefit program, which we can definitely criticize both like it's framing in terms of like promoting like a traditional family structure but at the same time it has like lifted families out of poverty and i think there is is it's a very kind of tangible thing and you can see why you know people would be scared that uh, a different government will take that away right yes and i feel like um there was a big narrative before uh 
500 plus kind of got introduced from a civic platform, for instance, so the, the kind of main opposition, um, that uh, this is impossible, that there's no money in the budget to support, uh, to have like any welfare kind of program. It was even mocked again. Uh, they were saying that uh, this is just not going to happen and uh, it's uh, an empty promise. And then once PIS actually got into power, they went back on those promises and they made them happen. And I think that was a shock for a lot of people because they just didn't expect that someone will um, even treat those promises uh, seriously um, because they were used to uh, just hearing a lot of ideas which were then just kind of forgotten about once um, the party wins the election. So I, I guess that's a big th part of it. Yeah, mm, yeah I guess... It's one of the kind of challenges that the left faces in Poland. Is that if, if the left tries to introduce something like that, it will be demonized as like yeah. you know <laughs> communist and Stalinist and whatnot. But if it's framed in a kind of traditionalist Catholic pro-family language, then you can like introduce welfare programs. It's it's a very good point actually. It's very interesting how the framing matters here, and uh, there's quite a lot of sentiments in the kind of liberal um, narrative. Uh, there about like uh, trying to even uh, reframe again uh, kind of being a against the 500 plus but not for um, the reason that it's uh, again kind of trying to maintain that idea of a traditional Polish family but rather just like oh this is uh, money for people who just don't want to work and it's for people who are lazy and for those who are not kind of living that um, proper capitalistic life where they want to have uh, kind of a goal and work hard for it and then they achieve it right uh, so so that's what you get from liberals. Yeah, the opposition is not really helping itself with some of the Like You know, I can see why the kind of, uh, you know, the sneering like Warsaw Bixley elites is, is very much a real thing. It really is. And that's why I guess um, when we will probably dive l later into the kind of reasons why PIS could um, get back into power and then hold on to it, this probably will be one of the of the kind of factors there. Uh, but it's it's interesting, and I think we should also kind of uh, think about uh, why why is it that uh, communism um, is uh, coded in in Polish minds as, as something uh, so scary that whenever you mention anything that is kind of lefty mm. uh, in in at its core, it suddenly brings back those those ideas of communism in terms of like Stalinism, and then you, you kind of reach um reach a dead end you can't really uh try and and reframe it any longer they don't really want to listen yeah. because it's just uh it's just this very strong association and i think there are some generational traumas that kind of stop polish people from um getting more interested in in the lefty ideas of, of the modern kind of day yeah, definitely. I think another interesting aspect of Polish politics, I think, is a kind of deep and also historically rooted distrust of the state and distrust of institutions. Oh, yes. Which sometimes can be a healthy thing, but, um, you know, especially like in the kind of context, definitely it's a healthy thing. But on, on the other hand, that also reflects in like strong like anti-vaccine sentiments and mm -hmm. conspiracy theorist th th theories and uh, sort of like unhealthy forms of populism, which 
claim to be neither right or left, but also obviously always like end up being very right wing and very conservative. Yes, and there's a certain paradox there because uh, at the same time, an institution of church is very strongly kind of established and rooted even among the people who don't consider themselves uh, Christians. And uh, simple things like um, kind of taking sacraments, uh, like baptism, uh, it's it's just kind of a default option. Uh, every, uh, like maybe not every, but most uh, Polish kind of uh, families or, or um, people who just kind of like... Um, again, don't identify themselves as Christians, they would still find it very important to to kind of have these sacraments for their children, for instance, and you end up with this weird weird kind of makeup of the society where where there's uh, definitely a part that is uh, still very ingrained in kind of Christianity and uh, practices it on a daily basis and then you have a lot of people who are not really but they're very scared to say that they mm. seem to be kind of um, downplaying the importance of uh, of, of kind of uh, church in in today's Polish politics and they're kind of like nah I mean it's there but it's not harmful uh, and I mean I don't see anything wrong about uh, yeah we about that tradition we yeah. definitely need to do at least at the very least one episode about the polish catholic church yeah and you know the cult of john paul ii i think like the polish church is i think quite a separate entity to like the catholic church in general right like yes. so many people don't accept the current pope or even the previous one because he was german yes <laughs> yeah it's, it's still john paul ii it's still like kind of polish traditionalism it's still the idea that the pope the pope liberated poland yes there's a uh, this this myth of of um, Jan Paul uh, yeah the second being this this amazing figure that made basically uh, communism to fall uh, really that's that's sometimes the narrative you get um, so it's it's quite you have statues of uh, Jan Paul the second in almost Everywhere. every Everywhere. every town yes including my my small hometown so um, it's quite interesting and I mean I have some anecdotes uh, from even like the times when I was uh, organizing the protests in in Gostinin when um, literally people were kind of treating it as such a sacred thing uh the the, the there's a john paul the second street in in Gostenin, and then there's the statue of him and um church as well and the kind of people who were participating in the protests who were very much against um a lot of ideas that the church represents were still scared to walk next to next to that statue and next to that church uh, and they were trying to kind of suggest that we should take a different road so this tells you uh, how deeply it is ingrained <laughs> mm, right okay so i guess how do we summarize that uh it's difficult to summarize, but I guess, as you can see, there will be a lot of topics to um, talk about. We will be um, definitely trying to explore. So today we only flagged some topics. I'm scared that maybe it was um, not structured very well. So for those who don't have like a background knowledge about Polish politics, it might be a bit um, tricky. But we will definitely do our best to explain and... Um, go back on all the things that we kind of mentioned today and uh, explore them deeper. Uh, so, you know, uh, the things such as 
PIS party, civil platform, um, Confederacia, all these forces. I think we will be um, discussing them more. Um, again, we will be connecting it with some uh, broader picture with uh, our neighboring countries, different movements. So, well, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. Yes, we hope this is like a good teaser and you're interested in hearing more. <laughs> we'll be exploring these topics and many more with a range of speakers and both me ourselves, but also in conversation with uh, yeah many other voices. We want this to be a pluralist podcast. There is no, you know, one correct way of seeing any issue in Poland. Everything everything has layers. Exactly, and we want to show some of these layers, and then um, again start the debate around them. So should we say something in Polish to say goodbye? <laughs> Since we've started with cześć, I guess it's a tricky word to learn. <laughs> Do zobaczenia. Do zobaczenia. Do usłyszenia. See you later, but hear you later. Hear you later, exactly. <laughs> Do usłyszenia, pa. Bye.